Good morning, everyone. I hope you had a great day. Did you watch the debates yesterday? The GOP presidential debates, if you did, send me an email, matt at dailycryptonews.net. Tell me what you thought. Who do you think the front runner is? Who do you think won the debate? Who are you going to be voting for? Let me know. You know I like politics. And if everybody else wants something to do that didn't watch the debates, you can pop over to Apple Podcasts and like, subscribe, share, and leave us a nice comment. Let's get into today's news. Maybe you didn't watch the debates yesterday, but maybe you did watch something that's happened in Washington, D.C. Oh, Gary G. Gary Gensler. You know, he's the chairman of the SEC. And he stood before the House Financial Service Committee. And he got pretty much grilled. Well, some people took his side. I'll get into that in a minute. But but basically, you had quite a few questions flying his way. For example, Patrick McHenry, he's a Republican from North Carolina. And he said, our patience is wearing thin. Your efforts to choke off the digital asset ecosystem is clear to all. You're causing more confusion and long-lasting damage. Representative Tom Emery, a Republican from Minnesota, he, he was there too. And he was even more scathing. He said, despite your years of rhetoric, I'm convinced that you're not an impartial regulator. Instead, it's clear that you are working to consolidate your own power, even though it means crushing opportunities for everyday Americans, and frankly, the financial future of this country. He continued to say that the courts are telling you that you don't have the legal authority to accomplish the goal of squashing competition in the financial markets. And a common theme, Gary, through your career, has been the relentless loyalty to large financial institutions at the clear expense of innovation, competition, and everyday Americans. Wow, yikes. But don't worry about old Gary G. He has his fan club as well. Like, for example, Maxine Waters, a Democrat from California. She found that Gary Ginger's actions in the crypto space to be praiseworthy. And she just wanted to make sure that the opposite side of the aisle, the side of the aisle that protects crypto firms too often and in too many different ways, knows what you're doing, implying that he's doing a good job. Meanwhile, she called Bitcoin Bitcom and Ponzi schemes Ponzi screams. So there's that. Coinbase has received approval to offer perpetual futures trading to retail users outside the United States. This approval comes from the Bermuda Monetary Authority. Coinbase's international exchange arm has handled over $5.5 billion in notional futures trading volume from institutions. About 75% of global trading volume is attributed to derivative markets activity, according to Coinbase. This next story is kind of interesting, and we're going to have to see how this develops. CZ, the CEO of Binance, you know, last week he announced that they're quitting Russia after the United States DOJ investigated it into sanctions violations. Obviously, they're saying, hey, you know, this Russia-Ukraine thing is happening. Are you making sure that you're not helping the Russians money launder or trade or, you know, finance their war efforts? Anyway, he says, I'm out. And strangely enough, the Binance's business was bought by a company called Comex. Now, this led to questions around the identity of the owners of Comex because not only is it just only a few days old and then they buy Binance, it also looks very similar to Binance. CZ said, I'm not the UBO or the ultimate beneficial owner, nor do I own any shares. So I don't believe him. So it looks like he's staying in Russia. Speaking of Binance, Paysafe, the banking partner of Binance, has unilaterally decided to stop processing euro deposits for Binance users. So now Binance is urging European Paysafe users to convert their euro balances to Tether USDT before October 31st. 
This next story is also very interesting, something I've been following for years. IBM Quantum and Microsoft have formed a coalition to tackle post-quantum cryptography alongside a non-profit research tank, Mitri. Also part of this coalition is a UK-based cryptography firm, PQ Shield, Google's sibling company, Sandbox AQ, and the University of Waterloo. So post-quantum cryptography, or PQC, everything has to have its little acronym, right? Addresses the potential threat posed by quantum computers in the future. So basically, why is cryptography so effective? Because if you took all of the powerful computers all over the world, tied them together, and started working on cracking cryptography, our binary computers would take something like, I don't know, 300 trillion years to break a 2048-bit RSA key. Yeah, it's not going to be broken. It's pretty safe. But see, the thing is, with quantum computing, with sufficient hardware and architecture, should be able to break an RSA encryption in around, I don't know, a matter of weeks, days, hours. And so right now, quantum computing has not hit the level of qubits to be able to even start tackling these encryption methods. However, it will get there. So these companies are asking, what do we do in the meantime? There's already been algorithms or encryption methods that are quantum resistant, or at least theoretically quantum resistant. I mean, they've never been put up to the test because there's no quantum computers to try to crack those things, but theoretically quantum resistant. And they want to make sure their encryption stays quantum resistant. Now I know what you're thinking. What if they hack Bitcoin? That is the least of our worries. Encryption algorithms encrypt a lot of our vital systems. And we're talking about nuclear arsenals. We're talking about top secret data. We're talking about infrastructure, power grids, even iCloud. You know, so everything is encrypted in some way. And if a computer is able to crack that pretty willy nilly, then we have bigger problems than Bitcoin. I mean, like the whole banking financial sector, everything would be vulnerable. And so even though there are quantum resistant algorithms out there, they have never even been tested because there's no quantum computer to really test it, right? So it will get there one day. So these algorithms, these solutions have to be thought of now. Last thing I want to mention about this is that, yes, we have quantum computers. I mean, and they're working. Uh, there's one over here at the Cleveland Clinic. It's used for the clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, but people can rent the qubits and, you know, do tests with the quantum computer. And so there's companies... There's governments working on quantum computing. I feel that there will be a breakthrough. I mean, a massive breakthrough where it's almost like, hey, we're dealing with this many qubits. And then all of a sudden it's 10x or 100x or 1000x because of one innovation, one discovery. And then we put ourselves in a very vulnerable situation. This next story is quite interesting as well. The next generation of Xbox's ecosystem could offer gamers a crypto wallet integration. And this is according to an unredacted document published as part of the FTC's case against Microsoft's and its planned acquisition of developer Activision. And that's all the news I have on that because, yes, they might say they're doing this. It doesn't mean that they will do this. And also, we don't know how that's going to be integrated into their ecosystem, how it will be supported, what the crypto wallet will be or used for. Is it actually for public chains or private chains? Will they develop their own private chain, the Xbox chain and Xbox coin? with Xbox NFTs, who knows? And finally, another very interesting article, something that I have to think way deep about because I don't know, if, I feel that there's a red flag here. I feel that there's something off, but this is interesting. A new Arbitrum protocol makes it possible to directly mine Bitcoin without having to run your own expensive ASIC machines. This company is called Lumerin, and it's a decentralized data stream routing project. And they have turned Bitcoin hash power into a tradable liquid asset 
that can be bought, sold in a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace using smart contracts. This Lumeran hash power marketplace allows miners to sell their specific hash rate amounts, duration of services, and price. On the other hand, existing miners can also purchase more capacity to increase their revenue without needing to purchase more machines. The CEO of Lumeran said that Lumeran is a digital piping that connects the flow of hash rate from ASICs to smart contracts to buyers. The nodes feed the information to smart contracts, which acts as an escrow to keep the buyer's funds secure, releasing them to the seller in real time as the hash rate is delivered. Now, all of this sounds cool. All of this sounds good. I feel that something is wrong here, and I don't know what it is. If it's the tokenomics, the actual buy and sell of hash rate, the actual mining of Bitcoin, are you actually getting Bitcoin? Um, I don't know, but something's off. If you can figure it out, let me know. Matt at dailycryptonews.net. Now let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And the time is 10:27 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are 39. Fearful. Bitcoin's at $26,557. It says up 0.1% in 24, but I think it's up a little bit more than that. Ethereum's at $1,627, up 0.8%. Tether's number three, Binance is at 213, pretty much even, and XRP is down 0.6% at 51.1 cents. Running off the top 10, we have USDC, Cardano, Doge, Solana, and Tron. The total market cap is at 1.06 trillion. We have a Bitcoin dominance of 48.9 and an ETH dominance of 18.5. And that was our show today. I'll see you tomorrow for Asia Focus and more crypto news. And until then, happy hodling, everyone.